But, Father, we just come into this place tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Father, you have, you've come into this place, Lord God, in such a powerful way. And we thank you for our opportunity to come and just to, to worship you, Lord God, to come into a, a place of just encouragement. Father, I feel so encouraged tonight in my faith. Lord God, Father, I thank you that you have heard our cries. Lord God, you, you, you know your children, Lord God. You're, you're aware of the issues in our life. And, Lord God, that you said if a sparrow falls from the, the sky, you know it. How much more concerned with you with us? And so, Father, tonight, we thank you that you are encouraging us in the faith. And I come against any spirit of discouragement, every, any spirit of depression or oppression, whatever it might be, spirit of infirmity, any of those issues, Lord God, that would come and try to somehow subvert your will in our lives. And we bind those things in the name of the authority of your son Jesus as your children. So tonight we come to this place. We pray for those that are sick in body. Father, even as we're joining hands tonight, Father, you said lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Father, we pray for those that are not just here, but, Lord God, Father, those that are listening, the people we've mentioned by name. We're asking, Lord God, for bona fide miracles, Lord God, to begin to take place in the name of Jesus, that you would begin to set back in order, Lord God, those things that have been, Father, uh, made disorderly, Lord God, by sickness and disease, Lord God. We bind up every spirit of infirmity, Lord God, we ask right now by the blood of Jesus that you would break that yoke of bondage, Lord God, that by the authority of the name and the finished work of the cross, Lord God, it would no more have a hold, Lord God. Father, every spirit in the name of Jesus, Lord God, would be broken, every unclean spirit, Lord God, that would come and infiltrate your people, Lord God. We pray that right now, Lord God, that you would uproot those issues, Lord God, and bring healing and restoration in the name of you. Every bondage, every addiction, Lord God, Father, we come against those things in Jesus' name, Lord God, and ask for your restoration. Father, those that have been backslidden, we call them back, Lord God. We call them back home. Father, the people that have friends and family, children, Lord God, that are backslidden, we, we thank you that you're married to the backslider, Lord God. And Father, we pray that they would not find rest in their sin, Lord God. They would not find rest in their, their, their iniquity, but Lord God, you would trouble them. You would wake them up in the middle of the night. You would speak to them in visions and dreams, Lord God. You would call them home, convict them, Lord God, powerfully of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, Lord God. And Father, we come into this place tonight. Father, we, we, we just desire to be with you. We desire to hear from you. And so, Father, we ask tonight that you would just speak clearly to us, Lord God. Give us, Lord God, a word, Lord God. Father, we can take, Lord God, and apply it to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. Begin with verse 57. Our resident techie, Jesse, may try to slam them up on the screen if he can tonight. So, Luke chapter 9, begin with verse 57, the gospel of Luke. And it starts out with, with some of my favorite words in Scripture. Now, what's your favorite words in Scripture? If you had to think about it, somebody just asked you prior to me saying that, say, you know, if I just had to give you, you know, one, two, three, four, five words in Scripture, what would you say, Brittany? Favorite thing. Five some words, just a little phrase. From the book of Romans, amen. That's a good one, amen. Salvation, good word. I love you. You're free. I mean, there's all kinds of things. But I love this, what he says in verse 57. He says, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. Don't you like it when Jesus says it comes to pass? Amen. I, I, I praise God that I serve the God that came to pass. But God. 
That when God said, let there be, it came to pass. When He said, rise and walk, it came to pass. When He said, let there be light, it came to pass. When He said, part the Red Sea, it came to pass. When He said, Lazarus come forth, it came to pass. When He said that, woman, you're healed, it came to pass. When He said, be thou clean, it came to pass. Man, I, I praise God that I serve a God that wh- whatever He says, the directive He gives, it will come to pass. Now, it doesn't always come to pass in our time. He doesn't have always come to pass in, with our prescription. But there's one thing. When God says something, it came to pass. You're going to be healed. It came to pass. Your children are going to be saved. It came to pass. You're going to get free of that addiction. It came to pass. God's going to heal that relationship. It came to pass. It came to pass. It came to pass. It came to pass. Folks, listen. I, I'm, I'm standing here tonight. I can say that because I've had the opportunity to live that. I'm standing here as a testimony of, of someone that God said something that came to pass. Even when there's other people saying it'll never happen, it'll never work, it's not going to come that way, you're going to fail, full circle, whatever it might be, that I stand here as a testimony of someone that realizes that when God gives you something, when God speaks a word to you, Pastor Alex, you can take it to the bank. Why? Because it's going to come to pass. Now, if you've been holding on and struggling things that don't seem to ever work, there's a chance, there's a chance... That maybe God's not the one that said it. Because when God says it, now you're preaching, sister, it'll come to pass. It says, it came to pass as they went in that way that a certain man said to him, just like we have, just like many do, Lord, wherever you go, I will follow you. I will follow you wherever you go. Anybody ever said that? Verse 58 says, and Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds have of the air have nests, but the Son of Man does not even have a place to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, will you allow me to go first and, and bury my father? Well, that doesn't sound like a too, too, too tough of an assignment. Sounds like a nice thing to allow someone to do, right? But Jesus said to him, What? Let the dead bury their dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And verse 61 says, Another said to him, Lord, I'll follow you, but first, somebody say, But first, let me go bid farewell to all those who are at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man. Somebody say, No man. Not you, not me, not your cousin, not that good intention person, not the person that's in the Sunday school class or the discipleship. It says, No man. Somebody say, No man. Having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No man. Somebody say, No man. Having put his hand to the plow and suddenly looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Folks, you know what I believe that God is doing? God is taking people that will dare believe that He's causing something to come to pass. But the people that's coming to pass with is the people that would dare put their hand to the plow. The, the person that would dare to get into the harvest field, the place, that, that arena of obedience unto God, that would put their hand to the work that God's called them to and come hell, high water, circumstance, situation, difficulty, disappointment, that they say, listen, we don't have an out pattern. We don't have an option B. All we got's obedience unto Christ. That if I obey, it'll come to pass. If I'll keep my hand to the plow, it'll come to pass. If I'll stand firm, if I'll pray, it'll come to pass. If I'll worship God with a reckless abandon, it'll come to pass. If I'll fight, and I'll press, amen, it'll come to pass. If I'll just only believe, it'll come to pass. So tonight what I'm asking you to do is if you just for just a minute, put your hand to the plow, amen, 
There was a track meet a number of years ago that really provided for me when I read the, the, the story about it that really gave us a, a glimpse into the message that Jesus sought to convey right here in the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. There was a young man by the name of uh, uh, David Williams. David Williams, he was at a this small school. It wasn't Division, Division One track meet. It wasn't world-class sprinters. But it, nonetheless, it was a big track meet for this young man. He had once, he kind of came out of nowhere, just a small school. He wasn't highly recruited by Division I's, but he went into this NAIA type Division II school, and there was this big track meet. People talked about how fast he was. So this track meet came to pass, uh, Brother Tom, and, and, and all of a sudden they were lining up, and he drew the fourth lane. So he goes to the fourth lane, and his two biggest competitors, those, those big rivals, one was on the left of him, and one was on the right. And this was supposed to be just, it was a charged event. There were several thousand people from these schools that were standing in, in, in anticipation. And if, if David Williams won this race or even placed second, it would be enough points for not only him to, to get his, his, his victory, his first or second place ribbon, but his team would sew up the competition. That was the, the final race of the day was the 100 meters, the sprint to the finish, so to speak. So they go, to the, they go to the starting blocks and they begin to stretch and they begin to prepare and they, they put themselves in there and, and he, one of his competitors on his left and one of his competitors on his right and they're just laying there really with bated breath waiting for that, that on your marks get set and go and, the, and to hear the blast of the starter's pistol. So they sit there, they prepare, and all of a sudden the, the crowd is rising to their feet and David Williams is, is there and he feels good. Everything's come together. He's put the time into it. And on your mark, get set, go. And he blasts out of those starting blocks the perfect start. He's got his head down. His arms are pumping like a, a couple of pistons on a 454. It's, it's like his, his, his feet are just pressing into the ground. He's exploding off the track. He comes out of the starting blocks and, and as he's, he's focused on the starting line, he knows he's out in front because there's nobody beside him. His face is transfixed on that starting line and, and he don't see anybody in his peripheral vision. He knows he's winning. He gets to about 40 yards and man, he's just, now his stride is just lengthening out. It's, he just, he hears the roar of the crowd and he, and he still doesn't see anybody in his peripheral vision. He don't hear anybody breathing. He just hears the crowd roaring and roaring and roaring and he knows that he's on his way to not only victory, but really the perfect race. He gets to about 60 yards and the crowd is just electrified and he's pressing. He feels strong. His breathing is, is just perfect. He gets to about 70 or 80 yards and he can see the fluttering of the, of the, of the, the tape across the finish line. It's just a, an anticipation. He gets to about 90 yards and, and all of a sudden, in literally a nanosecond, he's thinking, where are my competitors? And just in a second, David Williams, 10 yards from the finish line, decides to take a quick look back. And when he turns his head, what he sees is the guy up on his right bearing down on him. Because he turned his head, it altered his gait. It altered his stride ever so slightly. And before he could regain his form in a nanosecond, his competitor on the right side leaned forward and took the tape. Obviously distraught, obviously greatly disappointed that he, he looked back. He thought to himself, well, at least I got second place. At least we're able to get second place. I get the, 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 the silver medal and our team sews up the, the, the team competition. And he's walking around, obviously dejected around the field. He looks up at the final results. And it's not his name in second place. 
But when he looked back, not only did his competitor on the right pass him up, but his competitor on the left passed him as well. And in a photo finish, David Williams didn't finish first, but because he looked back, he finished third, and his team lost the competition. Folks, the Word tells us that the race is neither to the swift or to the strong, but you know who it's to? Those that will endure to the end in Matthew 10, 22. Tonight, what I want to share with you is a message that we have got to grab a hold of. Do you hear me? Somebody say, I've got to grab a hold of this. I've got to grab a hold of this because I believe that in the coming year, if we have any hope whatsoever of walking in the victory and being able to overcome the things that are not only coming upon this nation, but upon the, the body of Christ, we are going to have to understand this. Folks, here's what the Lord spoke to me. He said, the tactic that the adversary uses is not one of determining your future, but of one of holding you hostage to your past. Do you hear me? Because the enemy does not have the power to determine your future. Because there's one that's called the author and the finisher of your faith. There's one that has a plan set before you. There's one that says he'll cause everything to work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to the There's only one that knows the end from the beginning. And so the adversary, because he does not have the ability to determine your future, he does not have the ability to say, I'm sorry, brother, but you only have this long to live. I'm sorry, brother, but you, you're, you're not going to be qualified. You might as well do something else because you're never going to amount to nothing out there. Because the enemy does not have that power, what he will instead do was somehow try to wrest your hand from the plow that God has put it to and cause you to begin to look back. If Satan can keep you looking over your shoulder at what once was, then he's going to be able to slow you down long enough to overtake you in the race that has been set before you. So if you're taking notes tonight, the title of this message is Whatever You Do, Don't Look Back. Whatever you do, Pastor Monzel, don't look back. Whatever you do, my sister, don't look back. Whatever you do, don't look back. Joey Basta, whatever you do, don't look back. Brother Tom, whatever you do, brother, don't look back. You can do what you want to, do something else, but whatever you do, don't look back. Don't allow the enemy, amen, to cause you to look over your shoulder at what once was. Whatever you don't look at what was behind. Don't look at what they said yesterday. Don't look at yesterday's failure or last week's disappointment. Don't look at those things. Whatever you do, don't look back. Verse 57 of Luke chapter 9 says this. My favorite words. It came to pass. Somebody say it came to pass. It says, they went in the way and a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Folks, listen, I, I believe this sincerely. I believe that most people, after they've been presented really with the true gospel of the cross, I believe that they'll come to Christ with a sincerity of heart. I, I do believe that. I believe that they've been presented with the truth. I'm not talking about somebody that comes to a church and somebody says, listen, come on up here and pray a prayer and God's got a wonderful plan for your life or if you give $50, you can guarantee yourself five. I don't believe that's sincere. But I believe that, that most people, when they hear the presentation of the genuine gospel message, when they hear that they've got to deny themselves, take up their cross and follow Him, if they believe that they've heard the message of repentance from, from sin and faith towards God, I believe that most people, most people, mind you, are sincere about their decision. 
I believe they understand their need. I believe they understand that there's only one way. And I, I believe they, they, they sincerely will say to yourself, my life is yours, and whatever you desire, I'll do it. How about in here tonight? Anybody in this place that wherever he goes, I'll follow. Man, I've seen the other stuff. I'm going to follow him. Whatever I do, I'm not going to look back. Man, I'm going to serve you, God. You saved me. You redeemed me, Lord God. You broke the, 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 the curse off of my life. You shattered the chains. And so, Lord God, I'm sincere. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to press. Come any situation, Lord God, I'm going to seek after you. Yet, folks, what I've found is yet their proclamation, even though it's sincere, is one that's often born out of desperation rather than dedication. Let me say that again. I believe that their proclamation... Many times, even though it's sincere, it's birthed out of desperation rather than dedication. Now, what's desperation? What is desperation? Desperation is when I find myself in a situation, in a situation that I have not the ability to get out. And so I'll begin to say whatever I need to say. I'll begin to, 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 to make all these proclamations. Lord God, if you'll just help me. God, if you'll just do it. A number of years ago, it's probably back in the 70s. I was a little old kid, but I, I, there's a movie that popped on television, and all I saw was the last scene of it. And in this scene, this guy had got real depressed, and he decided he was going to kill himself. Some of you may remember this movie. It's been 30 years ago. And so he swims way out in the ocean, Aaron, and he's way out there, and all of a sudden he's getting out pretty, pretty far, and maybe a rip current or something's caught him. He's, he's kind of panicking. He's thinking, whoa, this is a little bit scary. I thought I was going to come out here and just drown myself. So he gets all the way offshore. He's probably 100 yards off. And he, he starts saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, if you'll help me, I, 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 I won't do all these things that I'm doing anymore. And so he's swimming. He's starting to panic. He gets about 80 yards in. And, boy, the, the deal starts going down. And by the time he gets on shore, he don't want to kill himself. He's like, God, you know what? Hey, I appreciate the helping me. And he goes on about his business. Why? Because he was sincere when he was about to die. His sincerity was birthed out of his desperation but it wasn't birthed out of a dedication. Because when it's sincere, when I've really turned my life over to God, what's going to happen is when the desperate times pass, when everything starts going good, what? I'm still latched hold of Him. I'm still not going to let go of Him. It's still not a situation where it's going to change. I don't care if it's low water. I don't care if it's high water. I don't care if i got money in the bank. I don't care if I'm dead broke. Whatever it is, my circumstance, my commitment to Jesus is not going to change regardless of the things that I'm confronted with in the natural. When that's the case, folks, the proclamation is devoid of necessary information that would enable it to be a true transformation. Let me say that again for you that are writing it down. When our sincerity or our proclamation is born out of desperation rather than dedication, our proclamation is devoid of information that would enable us to be uh, going through a true transformation. What What I mean by that is this. Folks, if what we're saying and what we're doing is just based upon desperation and not the information of the gospel of Jesus Christ, my people perish because of what? Does it say lack of sincerity? Lack of a desire? My people perish because they didn't go to the right church? My people perish because it wasn't the right song on the radio? It says my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And so that person... That, that came with sincerity, that person that, that came to Christ in their minute of, of desperation, suddenly the desperation's lifted. But because of a lack of information that says, if any man will come after me, he's a dead man. Can I just say it like that? 
If you follow me, you're a dead man. You're a dead woman. You're dead to your past. You're dead to your choices. You're, you're dead to your struggle. You're dead to those things that are behind. Whatever you do, don't look back. If God's called you, and He spoke to you, and He said, I want you to do something, brother. Whatever you do, don't look back. Brother, if God has put a, a, a vision in your heart and in your life, regardless of the desperate times, regardless if things go good or bad, whatever you do, don't look back. Brother, when He pulls you out of the, the filth and the mire, and He's brought deliverance into your life, whatever you do, do not look back. Brother, I don't care what people say. I don't care the pronouncement. I don't care about the struggle. Whatever you do, don't look back. When God begins to bring you to a revelation, in a realization of the call he's got upon your life regardless of what you're facing whatever you do do not look back do not find yourself hobbled by what was do not find yourself pulling up short of the finish line do not find yourself looking back over your shoulder and allowing all those things to come and cut you off at the past whatever you do don't look back but grab a hold of the information that god has given us through his word why because heaven earth circumstances are going to pass away but god's word will not pass away. He said, I'm not a man that I should lie or the son of a man that I should repent. He's going to stand fast. He's going to stand forthright. Folks, listen. Any decision that you make that does not demand transformation is only manipulation. I'll say that again. Any decision you make apart from transformation is strictly manipulation. What do I mean by that? Folks, I see people all the time. No transformation. They want God to do something. God does it. They want to manipulate the hand of God. Oh, God, I'll do this as long as... Folks, when transformation comes into our life, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, what does it say? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. Whatever you do, don't look back. If I come to Christ, there's nothing behind me. If I get saved, there's nothing behind me. If I'm born again, that man is dead. If I come to Christ and I'm buried with Him in baptism, I have the fellowship with His suffering, I'm identified with Him, whatever I do, don't look back. Because if I grab a hold of that, I said I'm saved and I keep finding myself going back into the world, there's not been a transformation. I've only manipulated my circumstances until I can get set free, not from my dedication, but from my desperation. Desperation is the forerunner. De excuse me. Dedication is the forerunner to transformation. When I dedicate myself to Him and I say, God, you know what? Wherever you go, I'll follow. And I'm not going to give you any excuses. I'm not going to say I got an out pattern. I'm not going to say whatever I do. I'm not going to look back. Lord God, if I have to battle, if I have to work, if I have to work hard, if I have to press through, Lord God, whatever it is, I'm not going to look back. Then Jesus. Folks, brought them to what we're going to look at tonight. He got to the core of things. Somebody say he got to the core of it. If you're taking notes, write down C-O-R. I know core is spelled C-O-R-E, but I'm going to get to the C-O-R of it tonight. C equals circumstance. O equals obligations. R equals relationships. C is a circumstance. O is for obligation. R is from relation, for his relationship. You'll know what I mean by that in just a minute. Folks, I'm here to tell you tonight. The thing that will cause you to look back is usually one of those three things. You will look back and you will break free. You will lose your grip on the plow, the thing that is set before you because of circumstance, because of obligation, and because of relationships. Let's just get to the core of it. 
Your circumstances are the things that are going to cause you to let go. Your obligations to something else are going to cause you to let go. Your relationships are the things that are going to cause you to look back on what was. You don't believe me? Well, look at verse 58. Here's your circumstance. He came to Jesus. He said, hey, Lord God, whatever it takes, I'll follow you. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Whatever you do, I'm going to do. Whatever you demand out of me, Lord God, I'm going to do. And Jesus said, listen, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man does not have anywhere even to lay his head. What he's saying is, listen, if you want to put your hand to the plow, that plow may take you into a place where your circumstances are real hard. It may put you into a place where you don't have the money in your pocket that you once had. That you may not have the position that you once had. That you may not have the opportunity that you once had. That you might have not have the comfort that you once had. That you might have not have the recognition that you once had. It's going to take you into a circumstance that's going to be devoid of much of what you were in the past. The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay His head. And so if you're thinking that your obedience to God, that the plow is only going to carry you into greener pastures, i got news for you. You don't plow green pastures. You plow old, hard, dirt-filled ground, amen, that doesn't look like anything. You don't go and put your hand to a plow and, and, and looking for an ear of corn or a, or a batch of strawberries, amen. If you put your hand to the plow, you're going where nobody's been. The ground is hard. The time is tough. There's going to be sweat coming down. There's not going to be a return for a long time. You're going in not into a a harvest season, but you're going into a a season of planning and working, amen, and determining to press through. Whatever you do, don't look back. Can you get the information from God and through prayer and from His Word to move past a place of manipulation into a place of dedication. God, can you give me the eyes to be able to see past my circumstance? Now, you can call circumstance what you want. You can call it unemployment. You can call it a bad diagnosis. You can call it a misunderstanding. You can call it circumstance whatever it wants to. You can call it what it is. But whatever you do, don't look back. God, I want you to get to the core of the issue in my life. Verse 60, excuse me, 59. He said to another, maybe this is you. Follow me. But the person he said it to said, Lord, will you first just allow me to go and bury my father? And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. But God, I've got an obligation. God, I've got a big obligation. You know what? Somebody died in my family. Lord God, I already promised somebody over here I'd do this. God, if you, I, I'm going to do it, but, but, but first I, I, I've got to finish something. When I retire, let me get a few things taken care of first. You know what? Man, my schedule doesn't allow me to do such and such. You know, I really want to, but... Folks, the thing that will rob you of your obedience is your obligation to something other than Jesus. What is it that is causing you to put your hand to the plow and look back? 
I guarantee if I did a roll call here tonight and I say, what is, tell me something in the last six weeks, an obligation that you've had that's caused you to look back. Well, I'll be there. Oh, but I had a previous arrangement. Oh, I was going to pray, but mm, I was going to be at the Bible study. Ah! Man, I wanted to help you, boo. I had my hand on the plow, but somebody told me there was something real important that I needed to do over here. Folks, when God puts His directive over your life, you might as well scratch your obligations. Now, I'm not talking about being irresponsible. But I'm talking to you about things that come into our life that go way beyond responsibility. I'm talking about things that take us back into the arena of manipulation. We want to manipulate God, not by things that He's obligated us to, but by things we've obligated us to. Right? Now, the obligation this person had to bury somebody wasn't an obligation that the dead had for him. The dead don't care who buries them. It's an obligation he put upon himself. Now, there's obligations that we have to provide for our families. There's obligations that, that we have in the natural. And those are obligations that God gave us. But what about all those things you obligate yourself to that God had nothing to do with? Well, you know, I do that, but I got, I got bingo on Thursday nights. Yeah, I do that, but, you know, we have a, we have a, a basket weaving class that, that meets every third Tuesday, so I'm going to do that. We're going to do that, but, you know, I would, but I volunteered to go. Obligations, obligations, obligations. Verse 61. And another said to him, Lord, I'll follow you, but first, somebody say, but first. Let me go and tell the people by which you're at home at my house. Relationships. Folks, as bad as circumstances and obligations are, I have never in 20 years of ministry saw somebody lose their grip on the plow in greater frequency but because of relationships. I'm serious. You guys, you single people right here, the thing that will discharge you from your responsibility in most cases will be relationships. You hear what I'm saying? You, you folks that are still after a mate, you're looking for someone, you better find somebody that their hand is shaped for the other side of that plow. Do you hear what I'm saying? Come on, you better find somebody that is fitted for the plow because otherwise what you're going to find is you're going to find yourself with some zigzags all over that field that God's called you to. And you're going to find yourself making all kinds of excuses. Well, I'll be back, but let me go. And I got that. I got to go tell somebody bye first. I'll, I got to go make somebody else happy first. I've got to come and, 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 and tend to this situation first. I've got to do this first. But the proof of it is, is when God begins to put your hand to the plow, you're going to begin to see the determination. You're going to see the, the pressing forth. You're going to begin to see the fruit of it. Rather than the struggle, say, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not calling. I don't want to. I, eh. And you folks that are married, amen. If you've been battling against one another, you better get on your face before God and say, God, you know what? If we're going to put our hand to the plow of what you've called us to do, 
God, we've got to learn to begin to walk in lockstep. We've got to have an understanding of the things that you've directed us to. We've got to have an understanding of the things that you've called us to and that pressing forth. God, what's my role? And Jesus said, an old man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. I'm going to give you some examples of that. Exodus chapter 16. Verse 1. Exodus chapter 16. Verse 1. How many of you are struggling with circumstances right now? How about obligations? How about relationships? Amen. I'm in the right place tonight. How many of you have been in them situations? Maybe God has given you some victory in those. Amen. Let me tell you something, folks. If you're not or have never been through one of those things that would try to get your hand off the plow, you don't have a heartbeat. Okay? I'm here to, I'm here to tell you that I, we, Melly and I, in, in our lives, in our relationship, in, our, in the ministry, we, we've seen every one of those things try to come and to dislodge our hand from the plow that God's put it to. Period. We have. And you know what? Those things will always try to come and try to shake you up. They will. Especially when they see you got a good pace going. Think about David Williams. He didn't look back till he was almost to the finish line. It wasn't the first 90 yards that cost him. The race is the last 10. He had it down, but he got comfortable in his situation. And he decided to look back right before he finished the race. So you guys that have been in it a little while, stop getting comfortable. Set your face like a flint and press on through the finish line. Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. said, The whole community of Israel set forth out of Elam, and they journeyed into the wilderness of sin. It's so good that that wilderness was called sin. It sure works out good for us preachers nowadays. Between Elam and Mount Sinai, and they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. See, somebody say they left one month. They were there one month after leaving the land of Egypt. So you know, folks, it was pretty fresh in their mind, right? 30 days of deliverance. Man, the first few days, you know, they were shouting, Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Come on. Pharaoh's men drowned We got set free. Ha, 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 ha. He, he, he. You know they were. I, I think the reason that he put the dates in there and put the time period, he's just going to show you how quick we forget. Because you know it hadn't been that long ago that some of you that God set you free, that God delivered you, that you saw God do a miracle. Maybe it wasn't just a month ago. But maybe it's just a few years ago that man, God stepped in, supernaturally did something, and, and boy, you was all shouting and doing the happy dance and everything else, but suddenly you forgot what God said. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Thirty days into it, one month in, they started complaining. You know what, guys? Man, this is a pretty good thing, but Pastor Troy and Pastor Alex... Do they have any clue what they're doing? I love them, Lord. But man, they're driving me crazy. (laughs) 
And look what it said. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. At least there we got to sit around pots filled with mead and we ate the bread that we wanted. But now they brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Folks, look what happened. The focus came off of their deliverance. And they looked back on their what? They looked back on their belly. They looked back on their circumstance. Folks, they didn't look back on their bondage because that's where they were. They, they didn't look back on their difficulty. They looked back on the circumstance of a quick fix. They looked back on the satisfying the moment, satisfying the flesh. Why didn't they look back and say, you know what, man, we had it great. Pharaoh loved us. We had a nice place. They didn't have that. And so what took their hand off the plow and caused them to look back was something that brought instantaneous pleasure to them. Who's here tonight? They would say, you know what? The thing that the enemy's constantly causing me to look back, to get my hand off the plow, is something that just brought just a momentary enjoyment. If I really think about it, it seems so idiotic. It seems asinine. It seems ridiculous that I'd even care. But it's the things that trip me up are those little circumstantial things, like a pot of meat to somebody in bondage. It'd be like somebody that was in prison getting set free after 20 years and said, Judge, why'd you have to let me go? Man, I, at least I had three hots and a cotton. But you don't understand, you're free now. Well, I know I'm free, but man, I got out and now I gotta actually do something with my freedom. Ah. If only the Lord had killed us, they moaned. Genesis 19, 24 through 26. You know the story about Lot? God warned Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham pleaded with him. Sent angels to warn Lot. Genesis chapter 19, 24 through 26. After they left, it said the Lord rained down upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and the inhabitants of the cities and all which grew up around the ground. But his wife looked back as she became a pillar of salt. Isaiah 43, 18. Isaiah 43, 18. Don't remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Don't you know it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Philippians 3, 13. Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I've learned, I forget those things that are behind and I reach forth unto those things which are before Whatever you do, don't look back. Whatever confronts you, don't look back. Regardless of the temptation, don't look back. However hard it seems, don't look back. When things aren't going your way, don't look back. When you're struggling, when you're fearful, don't look back. Why? Because any man 
that would put his hand to the plow, put his hand to the place that God has directed me, begins to look back. Oh, God, you know what? Man, I had it so easy back there. Oh, you know what? It wasn't so bad there before. Oh, you know what? Man, I, I could probably go back and make a difference there. Oh, God, you know what? That wasn't that bad of a relationship. You know what? They just, they, they just need a little bit of time to think about it. Oh, God, you know what? If, 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 if maybe I can just get my job back there, everything will, will be fine. You know what, God? I, I know that you were speaking to me then, and, 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 but now things have changed, Lord God. God, just if I could, whatever you do, don't look back. Folks, I believe that we're in a time like never before, that God is calling his church and his body to literally set them, their faces like a flint. When Jesus picked up that cross and he began to, to march towards Gotha's hill. Now, I tell you what, once he left that garden and he said, you know what, if there's any other way, Lord God, let it happen, Lord God, but not my will, but yours be done. Folks, when we leave that place of that garden experience, when we leave our knees in our prayer closet and we say, God, you know what, I know it's going to be tough. And if there's any other way, I know that you'd do it, but not my will, but yours be done. And we begin to hoist that cross of obedience upon our shoulders. We begin to hoist that place of suffering and, and that place of dedication unto Him. That place of transformation, Lord God. And we begin to march up our spiritual Golgotha's hill. we got to do everything we can and not look back. Rick, your battle is not what's ahead, brother. Your battle is what was back there. Whatever you do, brother, do not look back. Do you hear me? Sue, your, your, your problem, your battle is not with what somebody told you last week. You hear me? Your victory is what God is telling you right now. Your healing is not going to be based upon what some doctor or some oncologist said. Your healing, your victory is going to be because of what Jesus said, what Jesus did. Brother, I tell you what, the satisfaction, the longing inside of your soul for God to finally bring to fruition those things He said. Brother, it's not going to be based upon your past experiences, not filtering things through something that happened 10 years ago or how somebody done you dirty back then. Brother, if you keep looking back, amen, you're going to find yourself drag screaming and kicking amen back into the circumstances that you despise whatever you do pastor monzel do not look back there is nothing back there if any man's in christ he's a new creature all things have passed away there's nothing back there for me to see this race is my race i'm not racing like a man beating the air i'm not running a race like somebody that's worried about who's in the lanes next to me my race is set before me amen i'm pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of god which is in christ jesus there's nothing back there for me to look at. Why? Because he's high and he's lifted up. And if I lift him up, he's going to draw me into that place of transformation and dedication that he's called me to do. Whatever you do, whatever you do, wherever you go, don't look back. Don't allow your emotions to look back. Folks, I, I guarantee this. I guarantee just as sure as I'm standing here. Your biggest struggles are your memories. They are. The greatest thing that adversary uses against you is your memories. What do I mean by that? 
Memories of disappointments, memories of letdown, memories of, of, of immorality, all that imagery, those things that you've subjected yourself to relationally, those things that you've uh, 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 put yourself to, subjected yourself emotionally or circumstantially, those things want to measure out where you're going. Folks, whatever you don't look back, put your hand to the plow, put your hand to obedience, put your hand to faith and say, God, you know what? I don't really care what happened yesterday because I'm not looking back to yesterday. I'm looking back to right now, Lord God. I don't care how I got disappointed last week. I don't care who let me down. I don't care about what didn't come through for me. I don't care that I may not have had that provision because, Ron, God, I'm not living back there. I've set my hand to the plow and whatever I do, one thing I'll never do is I'm not going to look back, Lord God. What are you looking back at tonight, folks? What is it that you've been holding on to that is seeking to disqualify you from the kingdom. That's what I'm asking you tonight. What is it? There's something coming up from behind you tonight that wants to disqualify you from the place that God's called you to. What is it tonight? What is that circumstance you've been wrestling with? What is that thing where God's saying, listen, I don't got all these guarantees you're looking for. The foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nests. But I'm not, I'm not giving you. I'm not promising you position. I'm not promising you provision. I'm not promising you anything but obedience. What about obligations? God, I'm going to serve you, but there's a few things that I want to do first. Folks, I know people li literally that I said years ago, man, if I had their gifts, their talents, if I had their abilities... Just what they had in their thumbnail, man, I would be thrilled. But with all their gifts, with all their abilities, with all that stuff that they knew, all that latent talent, all that, that potential that they had, all they could do was look back. And they wasted years and years. I remember when Melanie and I were living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Young, had been married less than a year. Knew God had called us to the to the ministry. Found out she was pregnant with, with Jared, deathly ill. But we went ahead and moved. Why? Because we'd put our hand to the plow. God, whatever you want us to do. We're not looking back, sir. We're just looking towards obedience. Well, how are you going to make it? Well, we, we didn't know. We didn't even think about that. We think now, we say, well, you know what? We didn't even think about we weren't living, we were totally living outside the realm of circumstance. I think about now moving a thousand miles away as two kids with no job, no nothing. We didn't, you think, we, you think we worried about that one minute? Not one minute. We had set our affections upon the voice of God. But as circumstances would, would try to come up and discourage us from the call of the ministry, even though we had to, to move and, and do different things like that, we had people come and say, oh, because you didn't do what I wanted you to do, it's never going to work out for you. Now, you know what? About 90% of the people that said that thing never did get into the ministry. And these were fellow Bible college students. They never did. Because they wanted me to function within the realm that they lived in, which was always looking back. 
Rather than saying, God, when you say go, I'll go. When you say move, I'll move. When you say obey, I'll obey. Because, God, I ain't really particular what happens when I get there, like, Lord God, as long as I'm where you told me to be. God, I'm not worried about what it looks like. I don't have no preconceived ideas what the other end of obedience is going to look like. Lord God, as long as I'm obeying. Oh, you want me to stand here? Lord God, I'm not even going to ask you what for. Okay, I'm standing here. I know there's got to be something good in this spot. Oh, what about here, Lord God? You know what? Mel, for, for you and I, that's typified how we've had to press through circumstances. Y'all are crazy. Y'all have lost your mind. You know what? They're probably right. But we didn't look back. Mm, but we didn't look back. Maybe you're here today and an obligation has held you in bondage. I'm not talking about an obligation to what God said. I'm talking about an obligation to what the world said. It's tried to squeeze you. Well, you got to do this because of that. Well, I feel bad. I should have. What are they going to think? I'm not even going to go bury my own dad. I guarantee one thing, dad ain't going to worry about it. And what about relationships, folks? Past or present? As you're pressing forward, being held in check by a relationship, I'm not just talking about the relationship between a husband and wife or a boyfriend and girlfriend, maybe the relationship with somebody else in your past. Maybe somebody said, you know what, you'll never amount to anything. Are you living a self-fulfilled prophecy of what somebody else said? You're stupid. You're ignorant. You're not qualified. I'm not looking back. Folks, whatever you do, don't look back. My question tonight is this. What is God revealing to you in your life that's trying to pry your hands from the plow that he set before you? Are there circumstances? Are there obligations? Are there relationships? That you've allowed to dictate your path? If any of those things are true for you, I want you to stand up tonight and come. We're going to pray together this evening before we dismiss. If any of those things are true, if you see those things operating, stand up from where you're at right now and come and we're going to pray tonight. Amen. If that's you, just come up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What is it that's been in your life? That might remind you of a past disappointment. Of, maybe it's a past bondage that's in your life, you find yourself going back to it. I, I hear a lot of you say, you know, man, how do I get past this? How do I overcome this issue? 
Well, you overcome it by not looking back. Father, in the name of Jesus, all over this place, all over this room. Whoever puts their hand to the plow, Lord God, you said, and looks back, is not fit for your kingdom. Father, there's some, Lord God, that all they can ever talk about Lord God is what once was. If hindsight was 2020 and vision was those things that are behind, Lord God, they'd have it down. But really, Lord God, there's there's no vision for tomorrow, Lord God, because they're too busy looking back on yesterday. Break that tonight. Lord God, the same circumstances, the same obligations, same struggle with relationships. When's it going to come to an end? How long, Lord God, will we continue to justify those things, Lord God, and say that's somebody else's issue? All the while we're standing, Lord God, with our heads half-cocked, looking over our shoulder at what once was. Not fit for the kingdom. Lord God, we want to fit into your kingdom. We want to be molded and shaped, Lord God. Fit for your kingdom. Father, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, that have stepped up and said, Lord God, no more do I want to look back, Lord God, on my fears, look back on my circumstance, look back on my disappointments, look back on my inabilities, Lord God, look back on my selfishness. But tonight, Lord God, I come before you and I, I cut off, Lord God, my access to the past. Lord God, no more. No more, Lord God, is my walk going to be predicated, Lord God, by desperation, Lord God, but by dedication. I'm not going to be a spiritual reactionary, Lord God, but I'm going to respond righteously to everything that you bring into my life. I don't want it to be a great manipulation. But, Lord God, I want to be the manifestation of the transformation of the blood of Jesus that comes into people's lives that are willing to decrease that you might increase. Lord God, fit me for the plow. And, Father, I pray tonight in the name of Jesus for all of my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, right now. Father, I pray for a healing and I pray for a deliverance from memories, Lord God. Father, from the trap of the past, Lord God, Father, those things that are both good, those things that are bad, Father, those things that would cause them to measure themselves, Lord God, against what was rather than what is. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, hallelujah, 
I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for freedom, Lord God. For freedom from the past, Lord God. For freedom, Lord God. Always feeling, Lord God, like he's got to look over his shoulder. That that thing, Lord God, might catch up, Lord God. That thing, Lord God, that he's at times found separation from. But it seems like, Lord God, he, he, he's always hearing footsteps. But Father, in the name of Jesus tonight. In the name of Jesus tonight, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would set his face like a flint. Father, he would dig in, Lord God. Father, just like that runner, Lord God. Father, he'd fill his legs, Lord God. Father, tearing away from that pavement, Lord God. Pressing in, Lord God. Father, not to be overtaken by what once was. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Freedom, Lord God. Freedom, Lord God. Freedom right now in the name of Jesus. Freedom right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. No more. No more. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. No more, that's the way it was. No more, I remember when. No more. No more. In the name of Jesus, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you, you're the one ordering his steps. He's made plans. But most of those plans were based upon what was. Most of the desires were based on what had happened. But Lord God, his steps, Lord God, are going to be steps that are forward, Lord God. Ordered up by you, Lord Jesus. Freedom from it, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, right there. Hallelujah, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Fit, fit for the kingdom. Fit for the kingdom. Fit for the kingdom, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. 